Hello and welcome to our podcast. This is Jazz. And this is Chloe. We're here to inspire you to chase your dreams and live out your best life. Welcome back, guys. Giving you a big warm welcome into our second season of 2023. Yay, how exciting. We are back from our break and we have a really amazing and wealth of knowledge filled guest on our potty today. Yes, so we are welcoming Jodie Rogers. She's actually one of my family friends and she is a bloody legend. We both love her dearly. So Jodie is a qualified sexologist and relationship counsellor. She established her private practice, Birds and Bees, after 30 years of working within the education, disability and sexuality fields. Birds and Bees specializes in delivering counseling services that are accessible for all people with a focus on sexuality, sensuality, sexual health, and relationships. And this is also really, really cool, but Jodie was actually on Love on the Spectrum. So I'm sure you've probably heard of it. It's an amazing show. If you haven't watched it already, definitely go back and watch it. It's on Netflix. Yes, on Netflix. And yeah, she's just amazing, a wealth of knowledge, and it's a really great episode. Yeah, we absolutely loved it. And it was such a foreign topic I think for people our age so yeah Yeah. we absolutely loved being able to ask her the ins and outs yeah she is amazing so welcoming Jodie thank you for having me our pleasure so we we're really excited to have you on because we feel like sex like sexologist is something that's quite foreign especially for our audience so our audience is like 20 to 25 and we kind of wanted to dive right into the topic and we do have some questions for you that our audience have sent through. Um, and yeah, we feel like it would be a really great conversation because again, like it's quite a foreign topic and not many people even know that sexologists exist. So first of all, do you want to like do a brief overview of what a sexologist is and kind of like your day to day? I know you do a lot, <laughs> but like a day to day with a sexologist. Yeah. <clears throat> so a sexologist is somebody that has qualifications in sexuality. So in Australia, that means that to be a sexologist, you have to have a master's degree level of qualification. So for me, that is a master's in sexual health that I got from Sydney University. So often what people, as a sexologist, people have an undergraduate degree. So that could be a counsellor or a psychologist or social worker. And then it's like you then specialise in a certain area. So it's kind of like a GP goes on to specialise in maybe paediatrics. Oh, yeah. amazing, so, yeah. Yeah, so sexologists, uh, counsellors or psychologists that then specialise in a specific area. So for me, I specialise in working with people around sexuality and um, but also relationships because, you know, they're actually embedded <laughs> together a lot of this sort of stuff. And then I've got a weird little offshoot because – For me, I also specialise in making this information accessible to people that might learn differently or communicate differently. So anyone who might be neurodivergent or um, have intellectual disability or mental health difficulties or, you know, that whole area. So, but yeah, basically sexologists just spend their lives with people, either individuals or couples, talking about any component of sexuality and and sexuality is huge it's not just wow. bonking it's not just the act of sex <laughs> you know it's um yeah it's a really really huge area and for me from my perspective our sexuality and our sexual expression is one of the core components about who we are yeah can you tell us like what are the main issues people are coming to you with in terms of sexology 
like for a part, like a partnered couple or an individual to come to you, what are the main mm-hmm. issues that you see coming up? So for individuals, Chloe, I think a lot of it, um, particularly women, cisgendered women, a lot of it is really based around their body image, uh, mm-hmm. their self-esteem, their their own expression of sexuality. Um, so that's sort of some of it, which a lot of intimacy difficulties, mm-hmm. like people not being able to feel or not being able to feel like they're expressing their own sexuality yeah. or, or feeling in control of that. Um, a lot of these days I see a lot of people where it comes to gender identity as well mm. or sexual orientation. Um, I can see people that have, we're not talking about intimacy issues. Sometimes that can, in couples it can sometimes be even being able to communicate about sex yeah. with a partner or, I mean, your generation of people, Not I'm an old person, remember, so <laughs> I hang, my day-to-day life is hanging out with much younger people, so that's been beautiful for me. But I think that there's great complexity for your generation that my generation never had to go through. Like mm. a lot of people are learning about sexual expression through porn, um, you know, just feeling particularly if we, you know, if we're talking about women, a lot of women are feeling a lot of pressure to yeah. perform in a certain way yeah, and okay. not knowing whether they're doing that for somebody else or doing that for themselves. Oh, it's really, really diverse. It can be as simple as somebody saying, I don't even feel sexy. I don't yeah. even know what sexy feels like. All the way through to a couple that may be having great difficulties even communicating what their wants and needs are with each other. Okay, wow. Such a big mm. spectrum. Huge. It's huge. huge. So diving into the porn side of things, we actually had a question around this. And yeah. do you feel like it can be a, a place where people can get addicted for the wrong reasons, like, and really compare their relationship to what they might see on porn? Yeah. I've just been, been part of a program that's coming out, I think, later this year that's called Porn is Not the Norm. Yeah, wow. And How cool. So it's, it's helping people critically analyze what porn is so you know porn can be really great don't get me wrong I'm not an anti-porn person I'm an anti uh expression of violence against women in porn so there's some brilliant ethical porn and a lot of people use porn you know couples use porn as a way to kind of you know get get things rubbed up together (laughs) (laughs) um and but porn can be addictive and it can be addictive to individuals um, particularly. The the difference is, look, porn can be used as a way that enhances your sexuality. It can yeah. be used as a way of learning about different components of porn. But I think what people forget is that the porn industry is the biggest industry on our planet. Really? Wow. Oh, yeah, yeah, it's the biggest industry. So I think that that's the other thing. We've got to remember that porn is marketed to us. So when you access, so if you get onto Pornhub, what we've got to remember is that behind Pornhub there's people getting, not the the sex workers, not the sex performers themselves, they get very little, but, you know, the sponsorship behind that or, and it's marketed. So they will actually, like one of the the most, the hugest, I don't know, searched things in Australia is actually porn and teen. 
So if oh, it, wow. the porn industry sitting there saying, you know, it's like any marketing thing, isn't it? If they go, oh, people are into teen sex, then they'll try and create more content that's in that area. Yes. So I think that's the first thing. We've got to teach people, and I mean young, because the average age for people to access, this is research too, the average age for people to access porn is 11. Oh, wow. and I, yeah, and it may not be that they're, they're um, you know, on their going sex, putting yeah. the right <laughs> sex in there, it comes up. <laughs> it may be that they, they stumble upon it because, as we know, it doesn't take very much. It only takes a few clicks. I was going to say, you even get, like, those weird ads on the side of, like, Safari. You know, yeah, like, poor kids. Yeah, that's yeah. crazy. Or, you know, say you're looking for bikinis and you get it onto images mm. And then you click something and then you click behind that and then, you, and then all of a sudden yeah, you're right. in the depths of it. So do a lot of the work, I'll go, Chloe, sorry. Do you think that porn can be detrimental in a relationship? Because, like, I obviously have, like, some people that I've spoken to previously, like some people obviously love it, some people hate it, some people think that, like, it's cheating if their partner's doing that. It can lead to like maybe like toxicity within the relationship. Do you think that it can be detrimental to a relationship as well as beneficial? Obviously, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's it's beneficial if we're talking about couples. It's beneficial for couples if they're doing it as a couple. If it's yeah. something that's communicated and okay, saying, oh, you know. Let's just check out a bit of porn together and see if we can ruin up some Spice of this up. or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> but when it's detrimental is say, so say we've got somebody that has body image problems themselves and then they find their partner, they bust their partner checking out a lot of porn. Yeah. What that does is that leaves the person that's that's obviously got, you know, issues with their own body going, well, they obviously don't get off on me. Yeah. So that can be one Feeling problem. Feeling somebody's Yeah, exactly right. That, yeah, you know, okay. they, that's one area. The other area is that, if you had been a young person that watched porn a lot and so you learnt to masturbate through porn, mm. then sometimes we've got to remember that the brain has this sexual response system where you can only get off on porn. So yeah. a lot of people are coming, to, a lot of clients that come to see me, they may um, need, weirdly for them, they may even need to have uh, an ear pod in with the sound of porn for them to feel aroused. Oh, wow. Or they feel, you know, or the the act itself has to involve really porn language. So then there's an expectation that the person is, they're with almost becomes like a porn actor themselves, you know, uses language okay, of porn. Yeah. Uses. And so what... For some people, if porn has become, and when I'm talking addiction, it becomes, and when we talk about addiction, addiction is something that is needed to fulfill. Mm-hmm. Yep. So if you can only get sexually aroused with porn, if you can't get sexually aroused with a real human in front of you, you need mm. porn to get aroused, then it's a problem. Yep. If you need the essence of porn, like the sounds of porn around you, and you can't get off unless that's with you. That's a problem. Mm. Um, you know, if you can only orgasm if you have some kind of porn-associated thing going on, that's a problem. Yeah. 
Okay. The other problem, the other problem, sorry, Claire, the other problem that we're seeing too is, is that a lot of young people actually imitating porn in the bedroom. So there's incredible statistics at the moment for your generation, particularly of the number of young women that are being strangled in intimate, you know, intimate acts with another person because people are looking at things like that or an expectation that if somebody's got I don't know how much I can actually say when we talk. But, you know, like there's parts that people have got really into um, gagging as part yeah. of the, yeah. the sexual act. And so if you're, a, let's just say, if you're the person going down on somebody else, but that the person who's receiving that act thinks that that involves gagging. Yeah. Every single time that happens, then that's a problem. Yeah, so, 100%. Yeah. That's, so for yeah. me, it's really about sitting back and saying, okay, well, what is this porn stuff? And yeah. and how can we use it as a way that is a benefit, but understand what we're being sold and that this is not what real life sex is all about. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And can you find the same with vibrators? Like a few of my friends are like addicted to vibrators, so they can't get off without having a vibrator. So like yeah. that can be an issue. Do you find that's really common as well? Yeah, it's a funny one because what happens is, you know, any kind of sex toys and vibrators are, are brilliant, but it's the same sort of thing, Josie, that mm. if you have only learnt to orgasm using a vibrator in a specific way, then either you have to bring that sex toy or that sex aid into the space with another person. So it's kind of going... How? What is it? What's the stimulation that you're getting mm. using that specific sex toy? Remember, there's a whole variety of them. So for yeah. some people, if we're talking women specifically, you know, there's some people that only orgasm with clitoral stimulation in a specific way or yeah. they need to have penetration and clitoral stimulation. But if they've learnt to do that with a sex toy and that's their go-to every single time, it's really good. Don't get me wrong. Like, <laughs> they're good. They're we good. Should, yeah. <laughs> We should be get we should be getting off. Yeah, but absolutely. It, once again, it's learning more to say what is the particular stimulation that that the the sex toy that I'm using, the sex aid that I use, what is the stimulation that I can then hopefully move over to being with a partner? So if you say I can only get off with clitoral stimulation then how can you communicate with your partner enough to say, hey, this is the actual stimulation I need. Yeah. How can we actually try other ways so it's not always the go-to that I have to use <laughs> this particular, you know, what if, you, yeah. what if you're somebody that's into something that's really big and you can't get in your handbag? You <laughs> Literally you're take it in a box. <laughs> Exactly right. Do you exactly. think that there's a like a uh, an amount of times a day or a week, sorry, that are too meant that are too many to be using no. sex toys? No, no. Okay. So what my, the theory behind that is <laughs> once again, it's it's like an addiction. Do you know the most amazing thing about us as women too? That we have more nerve endings just in our clitoris than a man does in his entire penis. Really? Oh, we've got it going on. (laughs) We're we're actually women. It's a really sad thing that women's bodies are actually built for pleasure. And if you think about it, the clitoris only has one job. That's it. It only has one job. So, you know, for men, their penis has two jobs to urinate and for erections and ejaculation. But we 
have built into our bodies, our anatomy, something that just says, I am built for pleasure. Yes. I love that. Yeah, the girls. (laughs) And then the other thing about that is, is that for lots of women, orgasming actually calms their central nervous system down. So, you know, people can be really wired and like having one of these days and then if they masturbate or, you know, or they have sex with somebody else and um, orgasm, it actually is really soothing for them. Yeah. So there's there's no, you know, there's no normal. There's no, and I don't even like that word. You get don't go, oh, yeah, I masturbate once a day or once a week or three times a day or five. There's no, we're all different and our sex drives and our libidos are really, really different. The difficulty with any type of thing that's an addiction like that, Chloe, you're talking about is, is it impacting on your day-to-day functioning? Yeah, so okay. for some yeah, people okay. it's like uh, if you can't get to sleep without orgasming every night, then maybe your brain's got wired in a way that is, you know, a problem. Yeah, yeah. Maybe not. Yeah. Maybe having a, you know, masturbating every night's your thing. But if you can't get out the front door to go to work without having yeah, an orgasm, without without having orgasming, it. Then uh, that might be a problem, or yeah. you know, like so. And it's different for everybody in that way. But there's no set rule that says this many times a day is right or wrong. There's no right or wrong. It's yeah. is this impacting? And when I say day to day functioning, is it impacting on your capacity to move through the world, or is it impacting on your relationships with other people? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's, that's all we look for. And talking about orgasms, we also had a question where someone had never had an orgasm. Like they're like, what, 21, 22, and they've never had an orgasm. What advice would you give to someone that's never had an orgasm? Like is it a, is it actually a health issue or is it something that you need to explore? As you all know, women in their 50s who've never orgasmed. Really? Is, you know, yeah, yeah, it's a really sad thing. Wow. So I think the first thing is we've got to remember it's hard to kind of have a generalised question like that. Number one yeah. is, is that person comfortable with their own body? Because, you know, there's still women that if you said to them, you know, get out of the mirror and check yourself out, see what, where your anatomy is, What's understand your anatomy. Um, you know, it's a lot about feeling comfortable in our own skin right. and understanding the different types of stimulation you need. So people think there's only one type of masturbation, but there's billions of different types of masturbation. Wow. And if we're talking specifically about women, you know, there's some women that don't like a sex toy at all. There's some women that may just like to to rub against things and that's where, you know, that's where they, they might like to use, you know, the shower and have a handheld mm. hose in the shower. You know, there's so <laughs> many different ways. Mm. So it's about exploring yourself to start with and and it's different to say are you saying you've never orgasmed by yourself or are you saying you've never orgasmed with a partner because then they're two different stories as well if you haven't done because some people can definitely orgasm when they're by themselves but then they put another person in the room usually that gets down to not having the confidence to be able to say to somebody else Mm -hmm. this is what I need or this is how I like it or something like that but there are some people that have, um, what's the best way to explain it? Like with with the way that we our senses are processed, one of the senses we have is this sense called our interoceptive sense. And our interoceptive sense is an internal sense that at its its basic form says, I'm hungry, I'm full, Mm -hmm. I'm um, thirsty, I'm cold. And for some people, they 
need way more stimulation, way, way, way more stimulation than just, you know, average Joe to actually get off. Yeah. So right. that's that's not a, a medical difficulty, but um, there's some people that need way more foreplay for them to right. be able to get off. Yeah. So at, where other people, you know, somebody could touch their nipple and they're gone. So it's, yeah. it's we're, so, <laughs> we're, so dif- we're so different. But for people who've never orgasmed, the other thing is, you know, are you are you enjoying sex? Because we've put a lot of pressure mm-hmm. on ourselves to say orgasm is the thing that we're all searching for. Yeah. You know, well, I, I really want orgasm. But the other like thing the is if, thing ever. Yeah. But the other mm-hmm. thing is, are you enjoying sex? Mm-hmm. So that's the first thing to ask somebody instead of going, oh, we've got to reach this pinnacle. We've got to get to the Mount Everest top and put the flag in. That's the orgasm. Mm-hmm. It's actually talking about about all of the parts that lead to that. And women's sexual arousal, we get what's called plateau. So we can go up like this and then we plateau before we orgasm. So it's uh, are you actually giving yourself enough time? What's your preparation? Mm. You know, how do you actually feel sexy Mm. to do that? For some people, when you guys were saying before, oh, you know, how many times do you masturbate? Some people, it takes a lot of preparation for them actually to feel sexually aroused or kind of feel horny or sexy mm. before they even are kind of on the up. Yeah. Like yeah. So it's also saying to somebody or any of those people saying, um, you know, I've never orgasmed. Well, one, take the pressure off yourself. Yeah. That's number one. And work out what you like. What makes you feel really sensual? And mm. for me, sensuality is actually the most beautiful part of our sexuality because if you feel sensual, it means you're inside of your own skin. Like you're actually mm. going, Mm-mm, I know. That's what really I'm good advice. Like. Yeah. 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 We kind of think about the sex act and particularly, do you know what? Um, I think for your generation, you guys are under so much more pressure than my generation ever was because there's a lot of image-based information that's put out to you. I suppose what I'm saying to you is if I was having, use me, but, you know, anyone, (laughs) if I'm having sex with somebody else, Mm-hmm. If I'm spending all of my time thinking about another person's pleasure, of course we want them to have yeah. pleasure. But if I'm yeah. thinking all the time, how are they seeing me? Yeah. If I move my body like this, is my boob going to look like it's not perky enough? If I put my ass like this, you know, are they going to perceive it? But if we spend all of our time thinking about the other person and how they see us, Mm-hmm. then we're not being sexual inside our own That's skin. That's so true. That is such good advice. Yeah. And, you know, if you, so for those people as well, I'd say take, take orgasm off the, take it off the agenda for a minute. Mm-hmm. Actually think to yourself, how do I feel the most sexual and sexy? Mm-hmm. And I often tell this story to people, and I did it in a training with sexologists the other day that, um, I had a friend when I was around your age who literally was the most central person I've ever met in my life, but she was somebody that wouldn't be typically viewed as sexy. You know, if we went through Instagram yeah. now, we'd go, oh, that person's sexy, that person's sexy. But this person was kind of the opposite to what we would 
view as well in those days when we were not as cool as you guys were but (laughs) she was she was so central but do you know what all she would do she would spend a pay packet and go out and buy the most silky underwear not g-strings because a g-string actually is often for another person's viewing pleasure she would buy like She'd buy boxer shorts that were really silky because then oh. whenever she was sitting, she literally would be moving her ass around <laughs> on these. That's you know, so like true. They, yeah. She was she said, I feel sensual every single second of the day. Wow. Because she was wearing something that fed her own skin sensuality. It wasn't for another yeah. person's pleasure. Yeah. It was for her pleasure. Wow. So it's breaking it back down to go. What makes you feel sensual? Is it smells? Is it a, a texture that you use? Is it being in water? I don't know. I think we've got to pull it right back and go, yeah. what makes you feel sexy? Orgasms come later. Yeah. That's really awesome. That was a long conversation to get to the end. <laughs> that of was that. amazing. <laughs> yeah. I feel like there's so many people these days that don't worry about themselves. They're always worrying, like you said, about their partner or like making them how they off. look. Yeah. yeah. And then worried about how they look. Like it's such an easy thing to get caught up on the other person and then forget about yourself and also have that pressure on yourself. And then it just can get overwhelming and too much. Yeah. Sensuality yeah. is the most important part of pleasure. Yeah. <sighs> So, and we're in this big pleasure culture, but the sad thing for me is that people have said, oh, pleasure's about orgasm. Nah, pleasure's about all of the parts of mm. when we feel good inside of our own skin. And when we feel good inside of our own skin, the sensuality beams out of us, and that is yeah. what's really attractive. And if we're talking about heterosexual sex, I'm telling you, straight men that what they find pleasurable is a woman who finds pleasure in themselves. Yeah, yeah. I agree. It, yeah. Yeah. So, you know, it's, it's, yeah. Well, just think to yourself, when do I feel the sexiest? Mm. Okay. I love that. I've got a question for you, Jody. Okay. So it's Uh-oh. like, I, I don't know how true this is, but like it's talked about that, you can tell if your partner's cheating on you by the changes in your pH levels. Is this true or is this just a whole lie? Is that a woo-woo thing? <laughs> it's a bit woo-woo. Yeah, it might be a bit. How? Uh, yeah, I think it might be. Okay. <laughs> you could, I mean. So if your pH biggest... changes, it doesn't mean that your boyfriend's cheating on you. No, imagine if we all went through that. Then we put. Then you might have, you know, you might be dehydrated, and and you think you're probably going to go out and actually say, "Oh, you're cheating on me because my body is pH levels are not." Oh, I haven't actually drunk enough water today, and you're cheating on me. (laughs) Yeah, exactly right. Or or I've got a urinary tract infection. You must be cheating on me. Or (laughs) you know, it's um no, that makes sense. The two don't. Um, definitely if you've got an STI and you yeah. haven't been having sex with anybody else, that can, there's your indicator. Red flags. Yeah. Red, big red flags. I, and I think we we forget all the time that the biggest indicator is your own gut feeling. But yeah. not, your, your intuition is, yeah. is the biggest thing. Do you know that's the other part of your generation that I find um, we didn't, because when we were growing up we didn't have the internet, you know, we didn't yeah. have social media, we couldn't 
track where people were or what they're doing and uh, yeah, and now you can see everyone. Really, yeah. <laughs> you can find anybody, yeah. and anywhere. I, Snap maps yeah. is and more. I, and I think that there's a difference in the the trust that exists mm-hmm. within people because we can, we know where people are every second of every day or, you know, I can see when they've gone, I, I, I can track where they are on Snapchat or whatever. And, you yeah. know, where they're whether they're active they're on Facebook or anything. Yeah. yeah. And once again, that gets back to our own self-esteem. Mm-hmm. you know our own self-esteem if you even think that your partner's cheating you don't need your ph level you've got to ask yourself <laughs> what, what what you've got to ask yourself is what is it about our relationship that i don't trust this person yeah mm-hmm. trust is the most important part of a relationship and and if you're having any sense that your partner's cheating is that about your perception of self mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. that's a good one or or, or is your communication not great that you're being able to to say that? Like definitely, if you ne- if you get chlamydia and you, you haven't had sex with anybody <laughs> except that person, that's a sign. Your, that's a sign. But yeah. no, definitely. Uh, oh, geez, I feel sorry for people all over the world. Their pH levels out there. <laughs> <laughs> They're right out there the getting it tested. <laughs> but I will. But I will. Um, I'll definitely go and have a. I'll do a bit of research for you, Chloe, because I've got access to lots of research, but evidence based stuff. Thank you. So <laughs> Appreciate it. Get back to you. Yeah, I'll do a deep dive for you and see what the connection <laughs> between those are. Um. Yeah, no, you go, Jess. At what point would you tell someone that you should probably go see a sexologist? Because I feel like people would get in their head about it or not know even when is a point that they might be struggling with anything to go actually see someone to get help with that. It's a hard one, Jess, because, you know, it's amazing. There's so much access to information Mm. about sex on the internet these days and, you know, incredible, you know, I'm saying people are just educating. They're getting PhDs from TikTok. Um, you've got to think about a sexual, you've got to think about our sexuality as being an integral part of ourselves, just like our mental health is. So if you're struggling with depression and anxiety, we do all we can to sort of look after ourselves, but there's a certain point where we need to seek help from other people. Mm -hmm. And it's exactly the same with our sexuality. And when we're talking sexuality, it's broad, it's, it's about who we identify as. It's how we feel in our own skin, our own self-esteem, impact with partners, you know, sexual arousal or sexual function or, you know, if you're having any kind of um, difficulty with pain in sex, all of those things. But you do everything you can, just like our mental health. We should be really looking after our own well-being and sexuality. But at some points we need, we all need help. Yeah. We all need it. So if you're thinking in my day-to-day life something's wrong, if it's impacting on your feelings of or your emotions to say um, I'm not sexy enough or I can't be in a a relationship with somebody or it's impacting on your intimacy or Mm. if you're having arousal problems, some point or other, TikTok's not going to give you the answers. At Mm -hmm. some point or other, you actually need to just say I need help and Mm. there's lots of sexologists. Do you know when I went through university to become a sexologist, there was 13, so we're talking this was 2000 and, oh, this will tell you how old I am, but it was the first (laughs) year they had the master's degree and when I went through there was 13 people 
at Sydney University that wanted to become sexologists. This year, 200 people in the graduating wow. year. So, wow. That's really cool. So e- either what that says is that people are getting really open about talking about sex or really mm-hmm. interested in sex or the other one that I sometimes worry about is does that mean more people are having difficulties that we need mm. this many and sex therapists so is it because we're now really great talking about sex or is it because there's a generation of people that are now saying I'm not feeling comfortable in with my own sexuality or my own sexual expression I don't know I, I don't have the answer to that one either way I it think is that's really cool because if like either way, it's a win and a loss. But if it is the sense that, you know, it's people having more issues and stuff, it's also meaning that they're also becoming really self-aware that they do have those because obviously I can imagine in the past when it has been talked about even less, people are then less self-aware that they might have issues going on that they didn't it's even realise exactly right. Issue. If you think about when I was your age, we only saw porn if somebody had a DVD <laughs> of it oh, or it was know. in a magazine. So, that you know, that was sex toys. We would have to go to a sex shop to get a sex toy and literally they were, We might there might have been two varieties of vibrators <laughs> that you wow. had to put AA batteries into. <laughs> you know, you, could, you couldn't buy, there was no internet. So our expression of sexuality was also very, we didn't talk about it. We didn't say those things to each other where now people are talking much more openly. You know, I saw on TikTok the other day, you know, somebody, you know here's this one and he's, and I'm not talking about a sexologist, I'm just talking about some, some Joe Blow and their vibrators. person that's just <laughs> talking about their vibrators and their, I'm yeah. like, well, this is interesting. Well, that's cool. The same way somebody would talk about a cooking show. Yeah. You know, they were talking <laughs> about how they, how they use things. And I think it's an amazing thing that people are that are becoming that open. Yeah, I think that's really cool. We've got a but couple we've of quick... remember. Oh, go. No, you go. No, I was just saying one of the things that I think is really important to remember, though, is usually people that are on TikTok and Instagram talking about sexuality, if they're non-qualified sex therapists, mm. they're usually people that are very, very, very comfortable yeah. talking about their sexuality. Yeah. People that are not putting themselves out there are people saying, I've never orgasmed in my life. Or, you know, people who are struggling don't usually put themselves out in social media in that way. All right, we've got a couple of really quick questions for you just to smash through. So Uh tips to help someone. (laughs) Tips to help someone with sex after trauma. What would your recommendation be? That could be Well, that was your question that I was going to say to you guys. That was the one question on this list that would take a whole a whole episode. 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 Yeah, mm. because when you're talking about trauma, you're talking about an individual. Yeah. So, yeah. you know, there is no quick tips that I would sit here and tell people who are listening to you to say, oh, yeah, here's what you do. Because mm, yeah. every person's trauma is so different and their experience of it, that you're really wrapping around trauma-informed therapy and sex therapy together. Yeah. So, so I would, would need ne- to see someone probably. 
Yeah, Jazzy, there's no way that you can speak to, about an individual who's experienced trauma and what the trauma has impacted on their life mm, as a yeah. general general term. Yeah, yeah. you're you so know, spot it, on. And a lot of, and what we know about um, trauma-informed therapy is that it's a lot about safety and it's a lot mm. about security and safety. And so I would never sit in this situation and just say, I'm going to blurt out and tell you a tip because that is not safe. Yeah. There's no yeah. safety in that. Because you can actually re-traumatise people just yeah. even by being that blatant with it. So what I would say is that if you are experiencing difficulties with your sexuality or your sexual expression or sexual arousal in any shape or form because of a trauma that you've experienced in the past, that is when you go and seek help from a, yeah, a sexual. Yeah, that's good advice, obviously. What a beautiful response. Yeah, mm. that could not have been responded better. Thanks, right. <laughs> That's okay. And another one, any um ways to explore like kinks or like anything spicy in the bedroom with your partner? Like whether you, I don't know, a bit bored or you want to explore something that your Spice partner <laughs> isn't necessarily been open to or you don't know how to talk about it. What would your piece of advice be before we wrap up? It's really funny because somebody just asked me the other day, you know, what's the difference between kinks and fetish? And kinks, if you look at them, kinks are just about adding variety, adding, yeah. you know, adding yeah. to. But do you know what's really interesting about that? That one person might think that even introducing a sex toy, a, like a, a simple thing. vibrator, oh, my God, yeah. it's a kink. <laughs> <laughs> Where for other people, that's not even a part of their kink repertoire. Yeah, <laughs> in any shape or form. So we've got to remember that when we're talking about kinks, when kinks is really beyond vanilla sex. It's about introducing yeah. any part of that. It's introducing kind of if you're going to be into role play or yeah. fulfilling any fantasies. Or but kink can also involve you know um, soft BDSM all the way mm. through to BDSM that involves a lot of complex and interesting stuff the biggest thing about kinks is how comfortable are you to communicate with your partner because a kink's not a kink if you're doing it by yourself you just go yeah, for it do whatever you want so to do true. yeah true that's true yeah so a kink's about when you have to introduce something that you desire or would like to have a little play with mm-hmm. do you know the bottom line of that is it's about your level of comfort with the person that you're with so if you can't have a conversation with your partner about if you're going, oh, 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 I'm too embarrassed to bring this up, that's actually about your communication. Mm-hmm. It's it's really just being how am I going to talk about it? And so when you're talking about sex with your partner, it's got to happen outside of the bedroom. Of the bedroom, yeah. Yeah. And if you're talking about um, the kink community, one of the most amazing people who, when I'm talking about the kink community, the kink community are people that, they they wouldn't they'd think a, a sex toy in the bedroom with your partner they wouldn't even get onto their radar. So, yeah. but the most amazing thing about the kink community that a lot of us can learn from, for your perspective of what a kink is or your partner's, it's talking about it not in the moment. It's actually talking about it outside of that because there has to be consent attached to it. Mm. I've got all you know consent's embedded in everything. But that's what I'm saying. The kink community itself. If you went into a kink community environment, they sit around to start with and say, okay, 
what do you want to do? What, or what am I going to do? And, you know, if you talk about a role play, you'd actually kind of work out the role play together and mm. um, I agree to do this. You know, you consent on everything that's going to happen. Yeah. But you, you don't just kind of bang, get into it in the moment. You've got to have the communication along yeah. the way. And so a lot of that's about assertiveness. So even if you weren't talking about kink, even if you were talking about having sex with another person, it's about positioning or mm. um, part of oral sex or, you know, anal sex. or it, Those things take consent along yeah. the way. Yeah. So either that happens in the moment, but the best communication actually happens away from that to actually mm. sit and have a conversation. So, you know, if you watch a bit of porn together, would you be into that? No, I wouldn't be into that. Or, you know, even watching something on the telly, like bring it up in communication or mm-hmm. conversation or just say, to somebody, oh, have you have any? Have you ever had any sexual fantasies about? Blah, blah, blah. Mm, you know, bring it up. Just start so the conversation. Start the conversation, but not, not in the moment. Yeah. And once again, intimacy with another person is not physical. It's not just physical intimacy. Intimacy with another person is about being vulnerable with another person, feeling secure and safe enough to be vulnerable with another mm. person, to be able to express yourself, to be able to tell another person the things of you that you think might be embarrassing or a bit odd. Intimacy is about that emotional safety with another person and being completely vulnerable with them. And if you don't have that level of intimacy with a partner, and I'm talking your day-to-day partner, mm. then then introducing kinks is maybe not the thing to do. If you want to introduce kinks for a one-night stand, then you've got to probably do it in the moment. But usually usually people who introduce kinks as a a one-off with somebody else, then you have to be able to discuss it. So some people are, oh, no, I'll have kinks with somebody I just know I'm going to hook up with for a night because I'll just do it then I'll never see them again. Yeah. (laughs) So, you know, it's different Mm. for different people. But essentially... Just remember what one person thinks is a kink, another person just thinks is normal. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> what one person would see is like really full on, um, you know, a part of the, the kink realm with BDSM, another person yeah. would just think absolutely outrageous. So there's a big, big Spectrum. area in between. Yeah. Those things. Communication. That's what it takes. Yeah. Open communication. And consent. I was going to say, I was literally hoping to ask while you're here about consent. So I feel like this is something like really, I don't know, not not talked about. Yeah. Well, I don't feel like it's something talked about or that I've ever really experienced. Yeah. Educated around consent. Because like obviously you get told like, oh, yeah, you have to agree to it. But like, you know, sometimes like you're mid getting a bit spicy. How do you do it without I don't know. Breaking the mood. Without, yeah, yeah, killing the vibe. Or, well, consent or how do you know the... if it's consent or well, the, the, I mean? new law, the new laws are about what we call affirmative consent. So in the in it used to be no meant no. Yeah. But then but in law, and I'm talking law now, it used to be no meant no. But then of course somebody would say, um, I was asleep. And they, I, you know, but they, you know, so somebody who had mm. sex with somebody would asleep was saying, but oh, I thought they wanted it. Mm. But you can't, you can't say yes. So they mm. turned it back around. Does that make sense? It has yeah, to okay. be that you say yes. Yes. You, and affirming means that you, 
Now, but saying yes doesn't have to be, can I hold your hand? Yes. Yeah. Can I, get, yes. can I yeah. give you a kiss? Yes. Can I put my tongue in your mouth? Yes. Like it doesn't have to be yet yeah. like yes. verbally done with that. You know, consent can be done with what we call reciprocal consent. So, you know, if you if you lean in to kiss somebody and they lean back, that's, that's a no. consensual, is it? Yeah. 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 If somebody's starting to take their clothes off and you just put your hands around yourself and pull your clothes tighter, that's not reciprocal. That's a no. Consent. Yeah. yeah. No, so it's kind of getting it. So there's a body language consent, there's verbal consent. You know, there's yeah. many people that I work with that maybe have a lot of social anxiety, and so when they're in moments like that, they just are going, oh, they freeze. With I was going to say, what if people are really? What if it's someone who's really uncomfortable but isn't okay, like doesn't feel comfortable enough to say no? What advice would you give them? Then, it, then it's really this is the education of people. Now, yeah. Chloe, it's actually saying it takes two people. If you're going to be mm-hmm. bonking somebody, then it takes two people. Mm-hmm. So it's learning that both people need to be seeking consent from another person. Both people yeah. need to be checking it. And it doesn't have to be do you want to or can I. It can actually be are you comfortable with this? Does this yeah. feel okay? Yeah. Would you like, you know, so it's a part, you know, part of that thing is actually having the assertiveness and the skills to, if you don't want to say, um, you know, can, it, can I do this? It's actually going, do you like this? Yeah. yeah. So it's like more comfortable. Like, you know, yeah. 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 It's making sure the comfort level's there. It's checking in all the time with people mm-hmm. and remembering that if a person can't say yes, if they can't use their bodies to say yes, if they're pissed or out of it on drugs or um, asleep or if that person cannot acknowledge, then you can't move forward. You shouldn't mm. be doing it. And that's, that's there's a lot of pressure, I think, on men are the ones that have to seek consent from women. Mm. Yeah. And they're the ones that have to say, can I do this? But that's poor buggers, you know. It, this t- yeah. it takes two to tango. Mm-hmm. So, that's really true. As women, we also have to be checking in with the fellas, you know, do you like this? Is this okay? Would you yeah. like to do, you know, once again, it's about communication with people, but there's big shift in law now and it's happening all around Australia that is about affirming consent to say mm-hmm. um, that you have to be able to acknowledge yes and that both people need to, both people both of them have to be on the same page and saying yes yeah exactly right wow that's really cool you're such a wealth of knowledge jody yeah you're a legend thank you so much for coming on today that's all right more than happy to chat with you i'm sure that there's like hundreds of girls that will take so much away from this today so we truly appreciate it yeah appreciate you always jode (laughs) <laughs> I'm always happy to speak with you, Jazzy, and now you too, Polly. <laughs> oh, thanks, girlfriend. Yeah. All right. Have That's a great us. day. Thank Thanks you so much. Bye. 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 Bye.